Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Those of you a little shocked by my suit, just keep in mind there were matching pants with it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I can't go that far. We'll stress them all out. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Good to have you with us this morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. And uh, glad that you're here with us today. If your dad isn't around, give him a holler. Call him up something. Let him know that you're thinking about him. And uh, if your dad's passed and stuff, our condolences to you. And hopefully you have fond memories of your dad, as I do. He's no longer with us as well. Uh, on Mother's Day, I did a simple little message from a book that I'd written called Treat Him, no, Treat Her Like a Truck. And today I'm going to do the companion book, Treat Him Like a Dog. <clears throat> so that's... <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And the uh, scripture for today is Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Verse 33, however, each one of you, writing to the men, <clears throat> also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, uh, Chuck Swindoll, many of you know who he is, very well-known pastor in America, wrote once about or was talking about the tendency of men and women not really wanting to do the right thing. Uh, men counter doing the right thing by not wanting to hear it. Because when men hear the truth, there's something in a man that compels them to act on it. Uh, he doesn't want to act on it. So many men say, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, right? That's what guys say. A lot of guys don't come to church. I don't want to hear it. Women, I don't want to hear it. All right? Women like hearing it, but they don't like doing it either. <clears throat> what they do is they like to ask questions. So here's an example. If you get 100 men in a room and read the first part of this, it says, you need to love your wife as you love yourself, 100 men will go, But you get 100 women in a room and say, you should respect your husband. You'll get 99 different versions of, what do you mean, Mac, respect? What does that mean? You got a book about respect? You got a Bible study about respect? You got a small group study? About on and on and on and on. All kinds of questions. They love to ask questions as if asking questions was the same as doing, and it is not. They're both wrong, by the way. The reality is we're supposed to be doers and do the right thing. Anyway, so I've got this cute little book. I can read it a little bit from the introduction. It says, if you're among the very blessed couples, you're not bickering about the big things on a daily basis. No, most couples admit that more often than not, they find themselves arguing 
about tiny, trivial matters. Solomon once wrote, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. <laughs> now granted, this was written from a man's perspective, and there is conveniently no mention of the major pain in the rear that a husband can be. But the image of a dripping, leaky roof pretty much summarizes what life can be like after the I do's have echoed off into the distant horizon. He left crumbs in the sink again. He forgot to pick up the drying cleaning like you asked him to. And who puts the empty milk carton back in the refrigerator anyway? These are just the few from the long list of transgressions he commits on a continual basis as he demonstrates his skillful ability to drip, drip, <laughs> drip. The truth is many of us, men included, willingly pick a fight with our spouses over some petty thing that if it were committed by almost anyone else in the world, we'd let it slide. But that's what dripping will do to you. And here's the thing, we're not bad people, far from it, we're human. We have value, God loves us all, and it's human nature to take things for granted. There's actually a scientific name for it, it's called hedonic adaptation. Ooh. But I'll spare you the psychologically, psychological lecture. The bottom line is that we tend not to appreciate things that become commonplace in our lives. Today's Father's Day, we want to take time to pay a little special attention to something commonplace like the dad in the house. So we take a look at this book. Now this book, every chapter sounds like an insult. Uh, but it's not an insult. There are ways to succeed with men. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So chapter one is the title of the book, Treat Him Like a Dog. People say, well, that's a terrible thing to say. No, how do you treat your dog? No matter how grumpy you might be, no matter how irritated you might be, you come home, you see the dog, and say, how's my little baby? I'm so glad to see you. How you doing? You pick up the dog. You talk to the dog. You cuddle the dog. You pet the dog. You don't remind the dog of his failures. You pooped all over the floor yesterday, you stupid dog. No, no. We don't do that to dogs. We treat dogs special. We don't remind them of their mistakes. Boy, wouldn't that be nice, guys, huh? <laughs> and if he's really nice, he gets treats. It's actually how you train a dog, anim any animal, actually. Which, by the way, ladies, you can train anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, if you just approach it right. You know, you go to SeaWorld and stuff like that, and there are these big animals. Man, at a snap, they'll make these gigantic beasts who could eat them in a heartbeat. Do all kinds of things. You go to circus, lions, animals, all this stuff, because they've been trained, usually with treats. Uh, you know, there's a <clears throat> line of thinking that I've heard people talk. I don't address it hardly very often, but it's this idea that you shouldn't reward your children. Shouldn't reward children. They need to learn to do the right thing without a reward. And it sounds so spiritual and it seems to make such sense, but it's such nonsense. If there's anybody on earth who has used a system of rewards, it is God. You cannot possibly read the Bible and not see the multitudinous times God says, if you do the right thing, I will bless the socks off of you. If you don't, I will kick you severely in the butt. And God is always talking about rewards, doing the right thing. Give, and it will be given to you. 
He didn't just say give. You're supposed to do it. Don't think anything about it. That's what he could have done. Never does it. All the promises, all the commands are usually followed by a little reward, a little treat. Well, I shouldn't have to give him a reward. He should do it. And that's why he doesn't do things for you, all right? How about some nice little rewards? What are some rewards? I can think of some, but it's a family meeting, and I won't talk about them. Okay. <clears throat> Chapter 2, treat him like a boss. Now, a few things can get more, women more fired up today than the notion that she should obey her husband. It's one of the problems with the translations today. You know, they're very quick today in the new translations to drop words that are offensive, supposedly offensive. I think they go overboard. They have so wussified parts of the Bible, it irritates me to no end. <clears throat> we can handle it. But they think, oh, you can't say anything that has to do with it. Uh, but yet, they still leave offensive words like obey. The word obey in the English language today is horribly, terribly offensive. If you're going to change the offensive words, start with that one. It should be translated into something else and still get the same point across. And quite frankly, the easiest way to translate those verses is simply to listen to. You get a boss or superior that comes into work, tells everybody, you guys all need to obey me. There'd be riots. He walks, man, you need to listen. Oh, okay, I can listen. What does the dad yell? Kids, listen to your mother. Let's listen to each other. Let's pay attention. Let's show respect and deference. That's what it's talking about, about treating him like a boss. It's not that a woman is some kind of a slave owner uh, or, or a slave to a slave owner and forced to do things. That's not the Bible intention there. It never was, never has been, never will be. And there's no other religion in the world that has done more to lift up the value of women than Christianity. Christianity taught that men and women are the same in the kingdom of God, right? It's a whole different ballgame. Anybody tries to tell you the Bible is a way of oppressing women are nitwits and morons who don't understand the scriptures and what they're trying to say. It's about lifting people up, not about tearing people down. Next chapter, treat him like an employee. No, oh, pastor, that's insulting. No, it's not. What do you do with an employee? If you are responsible for people, let's say you're in a department, you're the head department or whatever, you own your business and stuff, you come in the morning, you let everybody know what is expected of them for the day. That's all. It's very, very clear. You're very clear. We're going to do this. We've got to accomplish that. We need to do that. That's what it's talking about. If you walked in as the boss or the charge of a department and everybody looks at you and says, what are we going to do today? And you go... If I, if I have to say it, it's not worth saying. <laughs> you should know what needs to be done. I don't know why you don't pay attention to the needs of my heart. They would grab you and put you in a nut house, all right? Don't get mad because he doesn't automatically see what, I don't see why he can't see what needs to be done. Well, because he's a man. And we don't see what needs to be done, mainly because we don't want to see what needs to be done. <laughs> I always tell women, you want something from a man? Ask him. Ask him. And you need to ask him more than once. Because asking a man to do something once is like never having asked him to do it at all. Women say, why is it? Why do I got to keep repeating myself? Why do I have? Because we don't want to do it. Is this really a shock to you girls? What do you care what he wants? Because I know you rascals. You know, not only do you 
want him to do it. You want him to want to do it. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. We don't want to do it. What do you care what he wants? Just ask. Be clear. Give your expectations. Let him know what needs to be done, what you expect. And you can take it from there. So treat him like a dog. Treat him like a boss. Treat him like an employee. Next chapter. Treat him like a gynecologist. We'll skip that chapter. Get the book. All right. <laughs> And by the way, I'm just skimming through these chapters. There's actually things in there. You want to have some fun and read it. It'll be good for you. Uh, the whole premise, actually, of both books, the book Treat Her Like a Truck and Treat Him Like a Dog, oftentimes they say that the problem with couples today is they, don't, they need to learn relationship skills. And I say, no, they don't. I think everybody has all the skills they need right now. You have all the skills. We just need to apply them towards each other. Because we do it all the time with everybody else. And that's all these books are trying to do. The very things that you're really good at with everybody else, you need to point to each other. Why do we not do that? Drip, 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 drip. And then our expectations get all out of whack. Next chapter, treat him like a cab driver. <clears throat> what does that mean? Now, we don't have that kind of culture here in Wisconsin, <laughs> mostly little towns. But you go to other big cities, and cabs are a very common, everyday part of life. People are always hailing cabs, grabbing cabs to get from point A to point B. If you've ever been in a cab, this is how it works. You get in the cab, you tell them where you want to go, and then you shut up. If you are constantly instructing the cab driver about how to drive, don't turn this way, slow down, look out, put on your blinkers, there's a faster route, stop it! He will stop and throw you out of that cab. And you're gonna walk your own butt home, all right? Now the problem here is oftentimes women, some women, <laughs> like to micromanage. It's not that he can do it, he has to do it a certain way, all right? This is why usually, <laughs> do I want to open this door? <clears throat> this is why usually people who have been single for a really long time probably should stay single. <clears throat> I know you all have your, I'm just telling you, nothing will drive you more crazy than having to share the world with another person when you're not used to doing that. Because everybody has their way. You're going to connect with someone else, you need to learn they don't all have to do it your way. He can't just load the dishwasher. He has to load it the right way. He can't just clean. He has to clean it the right way. He can't just do the laundry because I don't like the way he folds the towels. What do you care? He rolls it in a ball. Who cares? And this is why you get so frustrated because you're trying to micromanage everything. Do it this way, but do it like this, and don't do it like that. And pretty soon you get frustrated. Well, I'll just do it all myself. And they get so angry, they eventually divorce the guy. And then she has to end up doing everything herself. I don't know what the point was. <laughs> now with less money, what was the point of all that? I'm glad I got rid of it. I had to do everything myself, which is what you're doing now. I don't, I don't get it. You can either let him help you or you can do it perfectly yourself. It's just that simple. Relax a little bit. You know, look, I know the Bible says we shouldn't get drunk. Some of you girls could use a little, you know, just once in a while. Just, <laughs> just, just 
to take the edge off, you know, a little medication. Stressed out about everything. You know, women have way more health problems than men. Dramatically so. Doctors say the vast majority of it is from stress. Ironically, you live longer. I don't understand. One guy came up to me after the service and said, Pastor, I know why men die early. I said, why is that? He says, we want to. <clears throat> Quit trying to do everything exactly. I'll tell you what. The women who have men who cook for them are women who never criticizes how he cooks. It's true. The women <clears throat> listening to me right now who have men who clean for them are women who never criticizes how he cleans. And the list goes on and on and on. You think by criticizing, you're going to improve things. And I'm just telling you, men don't do well with criticism. If you're going to constantly criticize the way he does something, you will end up doing it yourself. All right? So, you know, relax a little bit. I remember <laughs> a few years ago, I, <clears throat> I came home late, and uh, I walked in the redhead sitting in the chair in the living room, and I said, hey, she says, hey, and I said, can you make me something to eat? She says, make it yourself. I said, come on, make me something to eat. You're a pretty lady. <laughs> she said, no, make it yourself. <sighs> so I can do two things, cornflakes and eggs. So I'm going to make some eggs, so. I get the pan out and start to make the eggs. Three seconds, she's over my shoulder going, well, don't use that pan. Well, turn on the fire, it's too high. So then you do it. <clears throat> Treat him like a cab driver. Here's a chapter. Treat him like a child. That sounds insulting, but it's really not insulting. You see, the thing is, <clears throat> how do you treat your child? You always believe in that child. You always celebrate that child. You always encourage that child. Kid can draw the most hideous looking picture ever known to man. And you'll stick it on the refrigerator. Your husband comes home, what, what is that? Shut up, that's my baby. <laughs> I mean, sir, and here's the thing. Women never, ever give up on their children. But they'll give up on a husband pretty fast, way too fast. Do you know 80% of all divorces in America are filed by women? Giving up way too soon. The guy could be an ax murderer. And you know who visits him every Sunday in prison? Mama. He's my baby. He killed people. He had a bad day. <clears throat> How about make that same kind of commitment to that man in your life? We don't give up on each other, all right? Long haul. The only way you get out of this is in a body bag. <laughs> Treat him like a personal trainer. <clears throat> now, the book, actually, in this chapter, talks about the husband being the trainer-like towards the wife. Actually... This morning, and if I were to rewrite it, I'd, I'd do a little bit different. I think better to say it's the wife who's the personal trainer to the guy. And here's the thing about a personal trainer. They egg you on. They push you forward. 
but they don't insult you and they don't discourage you because if they insult and discourage, they're going to be unemployed because the, the trainer likes to get paid by the guy that they're training. A, a, a trainer will keep working. So I like to point out the fact that men uh, benefit greatly from their wives. Women improve men. There's no question about it. It's been looked at every way upside and down. Studies have shown, University of Chicago, a couple of guys from there, did a big study. Uh, ma married men are happier. They are healthier. They live longer, years longer than their single counterparts. In fact, they said, according to their statistics, one of the most dangerous things a man can do is remain single. They say it's the equivalent of smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Isn't that amazing? I guess the worst thing is a single guy who smokes two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. He's, <clears throat> he's due. So they do so much, but they earn more money. Same race, same education, same, same culture, everything. Married men make more money than single men. How's that even true? How's that even possible? It just blew their minds as they studied every area of life. The married guys were better. And they contributed to what the researchers called the nag factor. <laughs> now, no man likes to be nagged in a nasty way, but what they're trying to point out is the women tend to push the guys and challenge them. And that's fine. Like a trainer would push and challenge, but just don't get disrespectful. Nobody likes that. Next chapter, treat them like your phone. <laughs> and this is, we're bad both ways on this one <clears throat> because everybody's obsessed by their phone. That thing rings and dings and buzzes and you've got to see who it is. No matter what you do, you gotta stop it. You gotta go check it out. You could be taking a shower and you'll leap to your death because that thing buzzed. <laughs> who is it? You know, you go to dinner nowadays and you see couples sitting there both on their phones, staring at their phones. I've been guilty of that, I must confess. <clears throat> and it's fine sometimes. But if you're going to really have a special night, you ought to just shut the stupid thing off like they do in movie theaters, right? Just shut them off. Because if you feel or hear a buzz, a ding or something, you are going to want to see what it was. And you'll drop your napkin for a second. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. You've been there five times. I gotta go again. You know, what is it? You're constantly, instantly responsive to that little thing called the phone. How about we treat each other like we had, like we were the phone, you know? Respond to each other. Be more quick to hear and to listen and respond. What did you say? What was, what were we trying to communicate? That sort of thing. Obviously, that would be a very, very positive thing to treat him like a phone. Next chapter, treat him like a stranger. Do you know we are the nicest to people we do not know? It's a fact. You walk this up to someone, you have no idea who they are, you are polite, you are kind, you are sweet, how are you, nice to meet you, la 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 la. Right, I could be an ax murderer. I could have 12 people buried in the backyard looking at you. You look like number 13 to me. <laughs> and you'd be as nice as you can be. Do you know why we are so nice to strangers? No history. There's no history. We had no history with these people. It's a clean slate. 
Well, that's why we ought to keep clean slates with each other. The Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. But a lot of people, man, they're really good at keeping record of every little slight and transgression they have ever experienced in their life. And they write it down in their book. September 23rd, 2007. The wind was out of the south at three miles per hour. Parametric pressure was 29.89. And you said, I look fat in this dress. And just we got all these hot points and response points because we remember everything. When it comes to transgressions that people have committed against you, you ought to keep a very short memory. I've shared this story many times, but it's such a true and powerful analogy. My parents, who are now gone in heaven tormenting people up there, <coughs> um, when there was a time in life where they couldn't stand each other. I mean, they, were, they virtually hated each other. It was horrible. Well, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what happened. I'm pretty sure it's because of a pretty long record of past transgressions. And those two would go at each other. It was horrible. But then they both got dementia. And they became really nice. We'd go over to the house. They're holding hands, sitting there talking, kissing each other on the cheek. We're thinking, who are you people? What'd you do with our parents? The reality is they really started to be nice to each other because they couldn't remember they hated each other. It's true. It's literally true. It was fascinating to watch. Sad, but fascinating. Man, don't, don't let dementia be the only time you start being nice to people. I pray to God nobody ever gets it listening to me right now. But man, just intentionally keep a short, short accounts. Everybody messes up. Everybody says something they shouldn't have said, done something they should have done. Stop rehearsing it. Stop going over and quit reminding each other of it. Just let it go. The Bible says you should not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, get over it. Personally, that's why I like to get angry at night. It gives me a full day. And then this one, bonus chapter. Do not treat him like your girlfriend. Men make terrible girlfriends. Okay. Uh, and, and seriously, ladies, if, if you're trying to get all of your emotional needs from a man, <laughs> you're going to be so miserable. But this is what we teach today. This is nonsense. I remember I was being interviewed on focus of the family, focus on the family, you know, the lady interviewed me. He said, Pastor Mark, don't you believe a man should meet all the emotional needs of his wife? I said, no. She went, what? She was mortified. She was shocked. I said, oh, come on. There's not a man on earth designed to meet all the emotional needs of a woman. What should you do? Find a girlfriend. Get involved with other women. Spend time with your mom, your sisters. Connect. That's all healthy. Which brings me to a very important point. And all you guys, listen to me. All you guys that are on TV, listen to me. Hey, it's stunning to me how many men say to their wives, I don't want you to spend time with your mom. I don't want you to spend time with your sisters. I don't want you to spend time with... Listen to me, you idiot. <laughs> if she starts spending all her time with those people, who do you think she's going to want to talk to? <laughs> all the time. 
Just stick a straw in your brain and suck your brains out. <laughs> Let her have her mom. <laughs> Some guy just dumb as bricks. But don't get angry that men don't respond like women. We just don't. Women are very kind and attentive. Men generally are not. Doesn't make us evil, just makes us men. Don't go mad because he doesn't want to discuss something for a long period of time. It's particularly bad when it comes to telling what happened. You see, you ask a man what happened, he just bottom lines you. That happened. How's the day? Good. What happened? I told you. <laughs> but when you ask many women what happened, they tend to relive the event in excruciatingly painful detail. In fact, it often takes her longer to tell you what happened than it did for it to happen in the first place. Get some girlfriends, then you can spend all afternoon discussing a five minute event. It'll be wonderful. Don't expect him to, <laughs> to process all of that. Bottom line is if we'll just be inten intentional about the way that we are wired already and just apply some of those common sense principles to each other Keep short accounts. Don't expect somebody to be something that they're not. Again, we all got to grow. I understand that. But uh, if we'll do that, it'll help us to connect better with each other. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. Lord, today on this Father's Day, I pray you bless all these dads, all these men <clears throat> who are fathers. It's interesting, Lord, in the Old Testament, when Ever they referred to you as the almighty God, all-powerful God, a God to be feared. But when Jesus came, he gave you a name none of us had ever thought about. And it was Father. He called you Father. A word that we should all understand. Because when we say Father, that's when we start to understand the heart of God. You love us. You, in fact, you loved us so much you sent your own son into the earth to die on the cross for the sins of the world. We thank you for being a wonderful father to us. Bless all these wonderful men. This day we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you.